The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics, and Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network. They are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. It is Wild Card Weekend. The official fantasy season is over, but there are various postseason contests that people play in, and of course there is DFS. So we are still doing the Fantasy Flex show throughout the playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl, I imagine it. One point, uh, probably the week before the Super Bowl, we will have a propapalooza type of show where we uh, cover all of these Super Bowl props that we are betting. So something to look forward to in the future. In this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our rankings in the fantasy tool at Action Network. We're discussing the guys we're high and low on and looking at how they do in our Fantasy Labs models. And we are speculating on some player props all right, gentlemen, let's get to the rankings. Uh, and by the way, I should say, as we're recording this, Rayvon, your, your rankings aren't in there, man. Come on. This is, this is oh. malfeasance of the highest degree. What's going on? Actually, uh, I was notified that I was being pulled from the podcast for uh, some random third string dude. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, just in honor of, of, of Doug Peterson, uh, no rankings. Okay, well, you you are the the Jalen Hurts, of course, of, of this <laughs> podcast. No, no question about that. With your Konami code ability, you are the Jalen Hurts function. Uh, okay, the the quarterbacks at the top of our rankings right now: uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. Sean, I'm going to kick it to you first because, as already established, Raybon doesn't even have rankings at this point. Sean, who are you high on? This week, uh, keeping in mind, of course, that now we have uh, six games for Wild Card Weekend. I think Super Wild Card Weekend. It is uh, very originally being dubbed uh, instead of the four that we have had in previous seasons. Yeah, so I'm high on Josh Allen for this slate. Uh, he's 7,500. Um, obviously, you know, has one of the highest ceilings on the entire slate, if not the highest. But you know, he's established a pretty high floor this year as well, so we could trust him in cash games. Um, he's, he's pretty much matchup proof. So this matchup against Indy, while it's not as imposing as it was earlier in the season, I, I think he'll be able to overcome it. Uh, he has John Brown back, which is huge. He should be getting Cole Beasley back. So he'll have all his receivers healthy. Um, and I mean, just look at last week, he was able to put up 224 yards and three touchdowns and pretty much half of action against the Dolphins defense. Uh, when they were actively trying to win the game. Um, that was the most uh, week 17 DFS logic thing I've ever seen, by the way. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be all over Josh Allen here for this shorter uh, six game slate. All right. And uh, another guy that uh, I'm high on who was in our top three, uh, Lamar Jackson, very original to say that I'm high on Lamar Jackson, but you know, he was fantastic in 2019 MVP season disappointed in, in the first half of 2020, but since returning, since his activation from the COVID-19 list, he's pretty much been his 2019 MVP self with the, uh, the fantasy production that we've seen out of him. Uh, he's at his best when he's a favorite, uh, at least against the spread tends to do pretty well on the road. And he's going against a Tennessee defense that is one of the worst in the league. Uh, so certainly I see Josh Allen and uh, why you would be high on him. I, I also have Josh Allen uh, in my top three, have him number one for the slate, but Lamar Jackson, is a very close number two for me. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just depending on maybe the site that you are at, uh, where you need to save salary for DFS. I can definitely see a case for going with Lamar instead of Josh Allen. Raybon, who are you high on for wildcard weekend? Yeah, I mean, I love, obviously those are two quarterbacks at the top, but, um, you know, Josh Allen, I think number one, just because you look at that Colts defense and, you know, 
even last week, you know, they gave up uh, 26 of 42, 261, two touchdowns to uh, Mike Glennon. They've given up multiple scores, passing four weeks in a row to close out the season. They've given up uh, 316 or more yards in four of the last five to close out the season. Um, but a guy that's a little further down, because I think Allen and, and, and Jackson are kind of in a tier of their own. It's going to be hard to go away from them. But in tournaments, obviously, you're going to have to. Uh, I think Ryan Tannehill is really interesting. You know, that Ravens defense is really good, but uh, we already, you, you already talked about their defense is straight awful. And Ryan Tannehill, he has, you know, multiple touchdowns in, uh, I believe it's 86% of his starts as a tight end going back to uh, last season when he took over. So uh, you could easily see this game turning into a, a shootout. And uh, Tannehill, because of how good, um, Arthur Smith has been calling plays and, and how good that offense is that they can score even on, on good defenses. So uh, I think Tannehill is a guy that, um, especially if you plan to go with, uh, you know, some Jackson stacks in your tournament portfolio to, to bring it back um, and make a few lineups with Tannehill uh, as well, um, because you're saving about a thousand dollars, 1200 over Jackson and, and uh, 900 on Allen. So like, right. Tannehill is a, as the QB three. Yeah, and Raymond, to your, your point about that game, uh, it has the highest total on the slate uh, pretty easily around 54 and a half, 55, depending on, on where you're looking. Uh, right now, I see uh, actually 53 and a half at Bet MGM, but I'm imagining that will probably move up. Uh, and so certainly we could see a lot of points uh, in that game. And the over, I mean, as we've talked about on this show, talked about on the Convince Me show that we do on the weekends, I mean, the over for Tennessee is just almost a, an automatic at this point. Uh, so certainly a lot of points that we could see there. Sean, who is a quarterback you are low on for wildcard weekend? Well, I feel like I've been low on Russell Wilson for about a month or two uh, now, and I faded him last week and no regrets here. Um, you know, Seattle is just a run heavy team. Now, a lot of that has to do with their defense playing much, much better now. Um, but you, you could certainly see this game script against the, uh, John Walford led Rams could be a very low scoring one. Um, the 42 and a half total is the lowest of the weekend. So I think that's, that's going to rob Wilson of, you know, the ceiling we saw in the earlier part of the season that is long gone. Wilson's usually a lock for 200 passing yards, a passing touchdown, and 30 yards on the ground. So uh, I will be passing that up at 6,700. Maybe we'll find a situation later on in the playoffs where he might be forced to throw a bit, but this isn't one of those games. So I will be fading him again this week. One guy I'm relatively low on is uh, Drew Brees. I have him ranked number seven. Now it's uh, ostensibly a good situation for him in that he's a big home favorite uh, playing indoors. Uh, you know, one of the few games uh, this weekend that is indoors. Uh, and so, you know, I could see people, uh, you know, theoretically wanting to target that. Brees is a home favorite. Like that is his smash spot. Um, but his wide receiver unit is incomplete and he has a pretty tough matchup against the Bears. And, uh, you know, he's, Drew Brees at this point. So I just, I don't know if I really would want to be investing in him when uh, I think there are other quarterbacks who have, uh, you know, similar price range and probably higher upside uh, at this point. So Brees is someone I am definitely staying away from this weekend. Raybon, who are you low on? I don't know how I went third and no one mentioned either Washington quarterback. I mean, Alex Smith in Taylor oh, Heineke. Right. Like, <laughs> no, but you know, it's not, it's, it's in tournaments. I mean, there's only what, right. 12, 12 guys, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to touch, you know, they'll get like 2% ownership, but um, this is, I mean, even if Alex Smith were to play the whole game, no, because he doesn't run. He's run like, you know, five times a year for like three yards and, uh, and Heineke is just awful. So, um, you know, those two guys, I think, are, are the two for me. But, uh, you know, going with a quarterback that's not a Washington quarterback, it's, it's Baker Mayfield for me because we know how he plays against pressure. This Pittsburgh defense, yes, it's banged up compared to what they were, you know, at their peak this season. But they still finished about six, point, six percentage points ahead of any other team in the league in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Baker Mayfield well outside the top 32 signal callers in terms of uh, passer rating under pressure. So, you know, this is a nightmare, just a nightmare matchup for him. And now you're looking at, uh, you know, the, the head coach being being out as well. Yeah, Raybon, we didn't mention Alex Smith because we're not like happy Gilmore out here playing dodgeball <laughs> with grade school kids. Right. <laughs> like that's it's, you know, like Alex Smith. Come on. Like we're not we're not dunking on him or anything. Right. Yeah, we probably should. 
I mean, come, come back player of the year. You know, put some respect on his name. Uh, Fed Roethlisberger. Okay. All right, let's get to the prop part of the show. By the way, everyone should be sure to check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the props with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And of course, when player props are posted, you can bet them at BetMGN. Sean, give us the quarterback prop. Uh, let's go with Lamar Jackson rushing yards because that's always the most fun stat to project. Um, right now, I have his over-under at uh, 83 and a half. Where are you guys on him? Ooh, that, uh, that is high. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I'm normally okay. the, uh, the over-donkey, but uh, I'm, I'm taking the under in this instance. Like, your line is so high relative to what I have. I have, like, 62 and a half. Like your line is so high relative to my line that it makes me think there's something massively wrong with my line and I need to go back and look at it. Ooh. Ah, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go under two for the reason that uh, I think they try to keep him in the pocket. Uh, I, I think, and, and that might come back to burn him, but I just think that's going to be the game plan uh, against them. It was in the last playoff matchup. Unfortunately, they ended up running like 95 plays. So, so Lamar had, he had like, yeah. he, he literally had 59 pass attempts and 20 rushing attempts. So, uh, you know, that was just kind of, I don't think you can kind of use that uh, game as like a total um, one for one here. Obviously, Dean is right. the defensive coordinator for, for your, for the Titans uh, last season is gone, but I do think that that will be the game plan. Keep him in the pocket. Um, and, and that's just a high line relative to, I think, you know, what he's done this season anyway. So yeah, I'll go under, but uh, it's not comfortable. Right. Yeah. Just good luck to anybody <laughs> that bets the under on this, uh, this week. I, I think that the sports books will probably set it uh, in the low eighties. If I had to guess, so I think this should be pretty close and yeah, I, I don't think I'll, I'll even bet it if it's this high. Yeah, I'm just ooh, I'm so I'm looking at what Lamar has done since he returned from uh, being on the COVID list in Week 13, and you know, averaging 86 yards per game uh, since then. So like he's he's basically in you know his peak Lamar form uh, <laughs> yeah. at this point. Uh, so I I probably need to adjust my line. It's probably impacted more by what he did in the first 10. 10 games of the season. And, you know, in that 10 game stretch, he had 57 and a half yards per game. Right. So, you know, over the past month, he's been a different Lamar. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what sample to privilege if I should be looking at the whole season or looking more at what he's done in the past five games. So uh, I don't, I don't know, Sean, like, obviously it seems like you're focused more on what he's done recently. Yeah, it, yeah, I, that's a good point. When he came back from COVID, he's been a different runner. You could tell he's been playing with a smile on his face. So I, I've been waiting, uh, waiting the last five games a bit heavier with him. Um, but like you said, you know, midseason, it, I remember we were both kind of fading him and saying he wasn't even a QB one. But uh, he's a different Lamar now. He's probably he's probably not putting as much on his shoulders when it comes to the passing game. And it seems like when they're in must win games, he just runs more. Um, so that's, that's kind of going into it, but it does seem like he's trending way up when it comes to, to rushing stats. Yeah, this is, that's a good line. I'm going to have to, uh, to think about that one a little bit. And I will be curious to see where the, uh, where the books open with his line. It did, uh, like, what do you guys think of the, the Titans defense? Because I'm looking at their numbers and they held Watson to 12 yards yeah. last week. They held um, Josh Allen to 18 uh, early in the season. They held Watson to 26, which um, so they re they had Jackson at 51 yeah. in, in week 11. Yeah, they don't generate pressure, so maybe right. it doesn't create. <laughs> Everyone's you open. Know, even yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't create a uh, break the play and you know scramble outside of the pocket and run. So that that's a good point, but I think they'll regress. Uh, in that category this week. I'm going to parlay the Lamar Jackson rushing under with the Des Bryant reception over. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> okay. If, if there's even a line yeah, for him. Yeah, right, line. right. Oh, Miles Boykin, whatever bum they throw out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's look at the running backs at the top of our rankings. Uh, Derek Henry, I mean, no surprise, the big dog number one, uh, Jonathan Taylor, we have ranked number two, and then David Montgomery, number three. Uh, one player to keep an eye on, uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, who is on the COVID list, but uh, it looks like he will be eligible to come off of the COVID list 
uh, for the game on Sunday. So uh, I'm imagining, uh, obviously, if that happens, we will be adjusting our rankings there. So Kamara is someone to to keep in mind. Uh, and Sean Payton has already said, no surprise here, that he would have no hesitation about playing Alvin Kamara, even if he hasn't practiced. So kind of reading between the lines, I think it's likelier than not that Kamara ends up playing this week. Sean, who are you relatively high on for wildcard weekend? Uh, well, first off, I think it's going to be hard to fade Jonathan Taylor this week. Uh, he's 7,900, which puts him in this weird uh, tier all by himself. I think he's definitely worth that price. Um, he's averaged 140 yards and 1.8 touchdowns on the ground over the last four games. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about this plus 6.5 spread. Uh, I think the Colts definitely keep it close enough to keep uh, Taylor involved in the run game. And, you know, it was encouraging to see he ran a route on 60% of dropbacks. Um, so I think if it does get into more of a pass-heavy game script, he could see more passing work. Uh, obviously, they have Nike and Hines, but I think the underlying usage does indicate that Taylor could, you know, see three to four catches if the game script uh, flips on them. Um, and then uh, Cam Akers at 5,100. You know, he played through the ankle injury last week, which is probably why he wasn't that effective. But he did see 21 carries, um, and Malcolm Brown was more of just a change of pace back. Uh, you know, Akers also caught four passes on just 40% routes run, um, an indication that maybe John Wolford is more likely to dump it off to him than, say, Jared Goff. So that was encouraging to see. And just at 5,100 um, for a six-game slate to get a workhorse back like that at that price, I, that's going to be hard to pass up. So we'll have to monitor his ankle injury throughout the week, but I can't imagine him being in a worse shape than he was this week. So I'll probably have uh, quite a bit of Akers as well. Sean, at this point, are you assuming uh... – that Daryl Henderson is still out for wildcard weekend? Um, no, I'm not assuming he's out, but it, it has been clear that even when all three backs are healthy, that Cam Akers sort of is the workhorse back. Um, so that's factoring into it. But yeah, we'll have to see uh, with Daryl Henderson. I'm not sure uh, what the latest is on him, but it, it seems like you know Akers is the guy even when uh, all three are healthy. Okay, so uh, with you there on Akers and, uh, and very much with you on Jonathan Taylor, uh, who has just been amazing for the past uh, six weeks or so. Um, negative situation as a road underdog of seven-ish points. So it doesn't look like a great spot, but uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to be hard to avoid him. Uh, and he has a pretty good matchup against the Bills, who are number 32 in PFF run defense grade. So even though he's a road dog, I still don't think it's actually all that bad of a situation for him. And as you said, uh, he's improved dramatically as a receiver. Or it's not even as so much that he's improved. It's just that he was better entering the league as a receiver than I think anyone expected him to be coming out of Wisconsin. So even if it is a situation where the Colts get behind, I think Taylor is good enough in the receiving game uh, to stay on the field. So uh, I am with you on acres and very much with you on Jonathan Taylor. Raybon, who do you like? So for me, it's JK Dobbins. You look at Tennessee and, you know, I mean, maybe this correlates with, you know, being thinking Lamar Knight might not run as much, but regardless of, of what happens with Lamar, uh, you look at Tennessee to close out the season, they, in the last three weeks to running backs, they gave up 392 yards on 66 carries. That's 5.9 yards per carry, five touchdowns over that span. And this is coming in three games. Uh, you know, they, they gave up A.J. Dillon, your guy, both of your guys' breakout, breakout performance uh, a couple weeks ago. David Johnson even averaged five plus six yards of carry against them. I mean, this Titans defense is is not good. And, uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins, we saw the long run last week. He's, he's been the lead back for um, pretty much, you know, the, the, the second half of the season. So I uh, really like Dobbins uh, as that kind of running back that, you know, he's not in the, you know, he's not amongst the studs necessarily, but uh, um, he's right, like kind of under it. So I think that's the guy, if you're looking to fade Taylor or Montgomery um, or, or even Nick Chubb, I think Dobbins is clearly the guy. Yeah, I mean, as as you say, the the Titans are so bad on defense that they're basically making every running back they face look like Derrick Henry, yes. which is uh, the the ultimate embarrassment. Uh, Sean, who are you low on at the running back oh, position? This is this is great because uh, this is the rare time me and Rayvon disagree. But I'm low on J.K. Dobbins, not necessarily because I disagree with anything that Rayvon said, um, but his price at 6,600. I mean, he's going to have to keep up this uh, touchdown pace. You know, he's scored in six great straight games, which it wouldn't surprise me if he does score this week. But 
you know, on a six-game slate, we're going to have to fade some running backs. So the guy I'm going to be fading is Dobbins. Uh, just his lack of passing usage makes it really hard for him to overcome a, a touchdown-less game. Um, so that's what I'm angling for here is we just see, you know, a 12-carry for 60-yard game, no touchdowns, no receptions. That's what I'm rooting for here, and I think we can get that from Dobbins. Um, if luck goes my way. But, you know, having said that, his stock is way up for 2021. I could see him being, you know, a top 10 back next year, um, depending on how this running back situation shapes up for the Ravens. But I love his talent. It's just that 6,600 on a full PPR site like DK, signing up for a fade this week. And, And who would have expected that Gus Edwards of all of the backs would have been the guy who ended up being like the receiver in the back, yeah, would not have <laughs> really expected bizarre. that at all. Wait, um, wait, got Jim Dobbins leads them in routes run every week, like at, at running back, though. Like, he's oh, yeah, not, routes he, run, he's just not, not yeah, 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 I agree, but yeah, uh, he's not, he's, has been a lock for one or two catches for some time now, which is even more bizarre because, like you said, Dobbins is running the routes. This is uh, this is Raheem Mostert, uh, 2021. I'm telling you guys, this is JK Dobbins is Raheem Mostert. Is that a good thing? Yeah, yeah, no, like, <laughs> like well, he mostly going into the postseason last year. Remember, just okay, touchdowns, yeah, touch, yes. twelve okay. carries, eighty yards, and a okay. touchdown every game. That's this is JK okay. Up. Okay. So yeah, I was, I was thinking of just Raheem Mostert this year. And, oh, and like, what didn't happen? <laughs> uh, no, I, I would never do that. I know, I know your affection for Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, the guy I am relatively low on is uh, James Conner. Uh, a home favorite. So in theory, that should be a good situation. Uh, but Connor's really slowed down in the second half of the season. He's just not getting as much work and facing uh, the Browns, a divisional rival for the third time this year. Uh, I think that makes it kind of tough. So uh, I am fading just full fade uh, James Connor. I think the, the only way he does something good is if he sort of lucks his way into a lot of targets or is if he finds the end zone and, and that could happen. But uh, at this point, uh, I think there are enough other runners uh, on the team who I wouldn't say like are demanding work, but like could find their way into work that it's just really not worth the risk with, uh, with James Conner. Raybon, who are you low on? Uh, get ready for this guys. Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor. I can't you know, like, so in, this is like a weird time. I guess we disagree, but so my, my issue with Taylor is that uh, I do think he's overpriced. And I think when you look at the bills, I think there is a, a pretty um, good chance of, the the Colts getting behind the Bills have lost once over the past 10 weeks and it came on that Hail Mary uh, to Arizona so I think there's a decent chance that uh, we see Taylor fall behind and even though Taylor has been you know playing better in the passing game that's still no guarantee that you know we don't see a a lot of Naeem Hines if they're in um, passing formation every single down early in the game I also don't trust Philip Rivers, and you look at, at, at Taylor and, um, you know, 253 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, 150 yards against the, 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 the Raiders, 83 yards against the, the Texans over the last four weeks. And he played the Texans twice and then the Titans before that. So, like, there's uh, – excuse me, and then the Packers before that. So, like, just a bevy of terrible run defenses. I think Buffalo has improved a little bit, um, even though their PFF grade is bad. Um, and that game script is just – it's just kind of scary for me. So, um, I think he, I think he's a guy that you, you fade with a, a guy with a better matchup. Um, and then – Cam Akers, I mean, he carried 21 times for 34 yards last week. I, I don't know if he's healthy, and I don't know if uh, if Wolford's that quarterback. Yes, Cam Akers could be healthier, but you, you're just going to have defenses playing him so close to the line of scrimmage, um, both because, you know, Wolford is going to run the ball as well, um, but they're just not a deep passing game element to the Rams. And, and that was true before uh, Jared Goff got hurt. So I just think that you're going to see a lot of – crowded boxes and I think it's just uh you know the price kind of is tempting but uh as a as an underdog against Seattle who finally figured out the Rams because the Rams had beat Seattle I think it was five out of six coming into that last game um uh, I just think it's a, a worrisome proposition for the for the Rams Seattle held them you know to, to what single digits in the last game I, I just think it's uh his touchdown upside is his touchdown equity is pretty low uh, and the, the potential for a disaster at high ownership given his price is, is pretty high 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Okay, Sean, give us the running back prop. By the way, I should say, I think it's really interesting that uh, Raybon uh, and Sean, you guys are uh, totally diametrically opposed <laughs> on uh, who you're playing and who you're fading this week. I feel yeah, like a- <laughs> we need to come up with some sort of bet yes. around that. But uh, in the meantime, Sean, give us the running back prop. Yeah, there, there's certainly a fine line between our differences. I, I feel like we're, we're close, but yet so far. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to keep up this annual tradition of us trying to figure out what the hell we should project uh, Derek Henry, Henry's rushing yards at. Um, so I'll have the honors of trying to come up with the number here. Um, I'm going to open the line at 119 and a half rushing yards. Over. What do you guys think? I will go over. over. <laughs> like he could, uh, he could get four yards a carry. He could get four yards. Right. A carry. <laughs> like I'm just not even, it's just like the only thing can never Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. Like, did you see that play where he just kind of like the guy barely kind of swiped with the ball and he like dropped it? He was like on his way, like, oh, I'm about to get 250 yards. Oh, wait, oh, gotta get the ball. Like, that's I don't I don't see how it's just so scary with him because he has the explosive runs, but he also has the volume. Um, and I mean, I do think there's a little bit of an element of, you know, I love Tannehill and I think this offense is explosive, but I think there's gotta be some element of, we have to protect our defense. So we, you know, as a Titan, you have to run the ball at a high volume because you don't want your defense on the field for 35 minutes of of, of game time. So yeah, I think Henry will get, you know, approach 30 carries and, uh, yeah, I think he'll go over that number. Yeah. Sean, you said, was it 119 and a half or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've already bumped it up to one thirty-two and a half. But go for it. Yes. You get the old number. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, I'm, I'm on the over. Uh, I have this around one hundred and twenty-five. Uh, so I, it's not as if I think that original number is is bad, but at the same time, I just I feel so ridiculous setting a no a don't projection feel that no. high. You know what I mean? But like at this point, you 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 have to like yeah. how do you how do you project Derrick Henry for anything? under 20 carries and even 20 carries is is too low right it it needs to be closer to like 24 to 26 carries you know like in in all reality so yeah yeah uh, you you have to figure yeah they're they're done mixing in mcnichols and foreman and evans like they're done with that he's probably going to get every touch um where he can breathe i saw he had to take a little bit of a breather last week in the middle of his 250 yards, but they, they call the timeout. So he came back in. So yeah, he'll probably get a hundred percent of the carries this week. All right. So, uh, Derek Henry, uh, the old line, 119 and a half, the new yeah. Sean corner line, uh, in the hun- in the hundred and thirties, maybe you bump that even, even a little bit higher. So the wide receivers at the top of our rankings, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Sean, who are you high on? Um, well, I, I don't like the matchup, but I am high on Corey Davis at just because of his price at 4,800. Uh, I think he's way too cheap just after, you know, coming off a couple of bad games, that's going to happen, um, for certain receivers in this offense. Just like we said, this is Derrick Henry's offense. Um, but you know, th- this is a good time to just buy the dip on him. I think he'll, he'll spike back up to five to seven targets. Uh, so love him on a, a smaller slate. Um, and then the guy I really like, I actually like all uh, three Steelers wide receivers. Um, we, we saw last week just how weak this Browns defense is. I mean, Mason Rudolph put up 315 yards against them, and they weren't even trying. So um, I love investing in as many uh, Steelers receivers as I can this week, but especially Deontay Johnson at 6,200. Um, you know, with him, he's left so many yards and points on the field this year due to drops, but I think he will regress to a more league average drop rate but his ability to get open is what makes him special and why he's able to see so many targets. So he's the guy I think is going to have a huge playoff uh, run here. So I love getting him at 6,200. And like I said, I think you can make case for Juju and Chase Claypool. I think uh, the Steelers offense in general, um, I'll probably have quite a few stacks this week just because his Browns defense is one of the worst ones uh, wildcard weekend. So I'm going to be looking to attack it. 
Yeah, the Browns uh, did lose uh, Olivier Vernon for the season with an Achilles tear, so uh, they're going to be less effective in the pass rush. And then Denzel Ward, uh, he's going to be someone to keep an eye on. He was out last week uh, because of, I believe, a positive COVID test. Uh, he might be able to return this week. Uh, so that is something to keep an eye on, uh, an eye on number one cornerback uh, for the Browns. Uh, if he's there, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a totally different offense, but, uh, sorry, a totally different defense, but he, he does improve the defense dramatically, especially because he does uh, shadow. They have used him in shadow coverage recently, but uh, if he's out, uh, Sean, I, I very much agree with you. Uh, the Steelers wide receivers are intriguing. And honestly, even if Denzel Ward is in, uh, probably still interested in the Steelers. Um, you mentioned Corey Davis. I similarly am high on AJ Brown. Uh, it's a tough matchup. Uh, I think cornerback Jimmy Smith is probably going to return from injury this week uh, for the Ravens, but Brown is just so dominant, uh, almost 1100 yards, uh, 11 touchdowns in 14 games over the past month. He has a 34% market share of targets like the Titans when they're not handing it off to Derrick Henry, they're pretty much just funneling the ball to, uh, to AJ Brown in the form of targets. So even with a tough matchup, um, I do think that AJ Brown has a ton of upside in a game that I think will be pretty high scoring. Uh, and we'll see the Titans need to score points. Raybon, who are you high on? So, yeah, I, I love the calls on the on the Steelers receivers. I think Chase Claypool especially, you know, he was talking about uh, last week how Mike Tomlin kind of scaled the snaps back over the second half of the year to protect against a rookie wall. But uh, even last week we saw him play a, a high amount of snaps and just m- keep making crazy plays. So I think they unleash him uh, in this game, and, and that can really take advantage of of the Browns' weaknesses on defense. And, and then another guy is Marquise Brown. Uh, Marquise Brown for the Ravens going against that Titans defense you know we saw them get just destroyed by Brandon Cooks a similar type of player last week and um, this Titans defense they don't get pressure and so I think Lamar Jackson is going to be able to hang in the pocket and that's really the issue with with you know Ravens receivers Andrews Brown is that you know anytime Lamar Jackson feels pressure he's going to run they don't pass a, a ton so I think in this game you have Tennessee who can't cover and can't generate pressure. Uh, I think and, and can, but can score points on the other side. I think it's a great spot for for Marquise Brown to put up one of his you know hundred yard games and uh, uh, love him at fifty four hundred. Sean, who are you low on? Uh, well, I think it, it might go without saying, but Gabriel Davis at four uh, K. Um, it, it's unclear if Cole Beasley will be back. I assume he will, um, but you know. Davis did, did a wonderful job filling in for John Brown, uh, but John Brown's back. So, you know, he's going to see a dip in playing time. Last week he was able to, you know, put up a two catch for 107 yard line, um, but that, that had to do with Beasley being out. So I, I don't know um, how, how much they're going to reduce his snaps, but it's going to be enough for me to fade at 4k um, if both uh, Brown and, you know, Beasley are active this week. Um, and then Terry McLaurin at 6,300, uh, McLaurin is usually able to overcome horrible QB play, but right now with his ankle injury, he, he's playing a little bit less than hundred percent. And Alex Smith does, you know, rob McLaurin's ceiling. Um, it's pretty clear that, you know, Smith tends to favor guys like JD McKissick and Logan Thomas. Um, so Jer- uh, Terry McLaurin is just not worth his price point, which is unfortunate because he is one of the most talented receivers in the game. Uh, but I just can't spend up this much with uh, Alex Smith under center. Yeah, and the Buccaneers, even if number one cornerback Carlton Davis doesn't play, they are still pretty strong uh, against the pass. Uh, Jamel Dean on his own, the the number two cornerback, uh, he's having a, a pretty good year, and I think he would match up against uh, Terry McLaurin for most of the game. So uh, for all the reasons that, that you highlighted there, and then also just the matchup going against the Buccaneers, uh, the matchup is pretty unkind for uh, Terry McLaurin as well. Uh, DK Metcalf is someone I am staying away from. And Sean, you mentioned earlier uh, in talking about Russell Wilson, uh, kind of everything that goes into staying away from him. Uh, and I think a lot of that applies to to DK Metcalf. Uh, he's just not being targeted uh, at the same the same rate as he was in the first half of the season. And also not he's not being targeted as far downfield either. And then now he has a tough matchup. Uh, so going against Jalen Ramsey uh, in his two games this year against the Rams, uh, DK Metcalf has two receptions for 28 yards on four targets and then six receptions for 59 yards on eight targets, no touchdowns. Uh, and for two years now, we've seen Metcalf 
really meet his match when he's facing bigger cornerbacks with above average athleticism. So obviously he has a high ceiling because he's, you know, one of the most athletically dominant receivers in the game, but because of the matchup uh, going against Ramsey, who I think is the best cornerback in the league, uh, he also has a much lower floor in this game. Uh, so he's someone I would be staying away from. Raybon, who are you fading? Yeah, I totally agree. It's got to be Metcalf, 43 and a half yards a game against uh, the Rams. Seattle talked about this last week on Convince Me. Um, they're just not throwing the ball as much on early downs. I don't know if that uh, I don't know if that changes against the Rams, especially you know, given the Rams are a little bit banged up on offense. So it's just not one of those kind of games where you expect um, DK Metcalf to go off. And I think part of it is not even just the matchup uh, or the decreased passing. It's the the improvement of Seattle's defense, right? Because earlier in the year, they were giving up four or 500 yards, 30 points to everyone. Uh, and now you look at Seattle and, and they're holding teams to uh, believe it's uh, about under 20 points per game since week 10. Um, so that's just, that just changes the entire game script for, for the passing game for Seattle. So yeah, DK Metcalf for me. Sean, give us the wide receiver prop. Let's go with uh, Michael Thomas and his uh, potential return uh, against the Bears. Um, right now I have his over-under at 70 and a half. And obviously that, you know, if we have to factor in if Alvin Kamara will return, all these other things. But right now I have it at 70 and a half. I will take the under. I haven't even done a projection for Michael Thomas yet. Uh, because I'm lazy and I'm not 100% sure that he's returning. So I'm not, I'm not going to make the projection until we have a little more certainty. Sean, what, what do you think the odds are that he plays this week? I have no idea. I would, I would put it over 90%. I think he's you think so? okay. very clear that he's going to play. Uh, and I think that was the plan all along, but I, I can't say 100%. Okay, so I need to go back in here, make a projection for him. But uh, in the meantime, I'm still taking the under on the line that you mentioned there uh, tough matchup against the bears who I think also they've been without uh, two starting cornerbacks for the, the past couple of weeks. I think at least one of those guys will probably return maybe both of them. Uh, and I think Alvin Kamara will also return. So I think just fewer targets to be going towards Michael Thomas. Oof, that's a good line. Ah, Cause I don't, I do think he'll get targeted heavily. I'm going to go over. Um, you look at what Michael Thomas has done in the postseason. He's got, he's had uh, three games over that number and one game right at 70 and then uh, one, one game at 36. But uh, I just think that every time we see Michael Thomas in, in the lineup in a key situation, um, he's going to get, he's going to overwhelmingly get, get the, uh, the lead in target. So uh, I, and with Drew Brees throwing the football, it's totally different from um, like, you know, Taysom Hill. So, you know, Brees could complete 25 to 30 passes per game. 10 of those could easily go to Thomas, even if he's not 100%. So, yeah, I'll go over. I feel like Thomas has played way better with Taysom in the lineup. He has. <laughs> he has. I mean, uh, with Breeze in the lineup, he's felt like a wide receiver too, but <clears throat> those four Taysom Hill starts, I mean, Michael Thomas was the top five wide receiver. So I've, it's interesting to, to think of, but does Drew Breeze almost hurt his value right now or is that kind of just random? I mean, it probably is considering he – Caught like what, like 150 balls? Yeah, he was averaging like eight catches a game with Taysom Hill is insane. Uh, yeah. Massive, massive target share. He wasn't even looking at other receivers. So uh, I think it could just be an anomaly. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to think of. All right, let's talk about the the tight ends. And uh, man, I mean, tight ends, uh, it's always just, it feels like a naked position in general. And then now, uh, obviously, no Kittle. Uh, no Kelsey because the Chiefs are on by uh, the second week with no Kelsey. So it just it's it's a sad it's a sad position. We have Mark Andrews at the top, Logan Thomas and Jared Cook number three. But you know a big gap between Mark Andrews and basically everyone else. Sean, who are you high on this week? Yeah, like you said, no no um, Kelsey Kittle or Waller. So you know Mark Andrews sticks out a ton at. Only 5,200. I think he's uh, in a smash spot here with that pricing. But uh, you always take this guy. I'm going to take him this week. It's Cole Komet at 3K. Um, you know, th this week he feels like a free square if, if you want to spend down at tight end. Um, the Saints are a very good defense, but they can be prone um, to some pretty good games to opposing tight end. So um, Komet's he's been holding pretty steady around a 75% routes run rate. Uh, he finally saw a huge target share last week with eight 
this could be a pass-heavy game script, so I love him here. Uh, it's worth monitoring Darnell Mooney, who saw 13 targets last week. He looks like he's going to be iffy. Um, you have to imagine if he's out, that could just mean an extra uh, couple targets for Komet as well. So just at 3K, he just has a really, really high floor for tight end at that price range. And, you know, I, I think he's due for a touchdown. So he has a pretty high ceiling as well. So if you're if you're not going to take Mark Andrews at his price, uh, I, I think you got to go Komet here. Yeah, I mean, uh, no surprise. I agree with you. Komet's uh, the guy, my, my uh, BFF, the guy I, I talk about every week in this spot. And, you know, you outlined it perfectly. Uh, yeah, Mooney is uncertain to play this week. And, you know, we have a tight end who's emerging who already has an 18% target share on the team over the past month. Uh, and if Mooney is out, I would expect that to increase. He's playing over 90% of the snaps, Had has 14 targets over the past two weeks, uh, playing indoors in what could be a high-scoring environment as a big dog. So you would think that he maybe benefits from a pass-heavy game script. 100% with you on, on Cole Komet. If you are not paying up, uh, Komet, I think, is probably the guy that you uh, you target when you are paying down. Rayvon, it seems like you might disagree. Oh yeah, I I, I got to go against you guys here. Uh, for for one, New Orleans is number two in DVOA against tight ends. Um, they've been excellent against the position. And, and look at Commit. I mean, we and and listen, I've been on Commit. You but you look at as many routes as he's been running. Uh, he hasn't really done much with them over these past few weeks. And Jimmy Graham, you know, a couple of those games has been the more productive guy. I, I just don't know if we're gonna get that game against the New Orleans number two. Uh, tight end defense. I would say that if you're looking to pay down, I think the the, the play is Johnny Smith. Uh, last week he ran a route on 25 of 31 dropbacks. That's 81. percent um, He's been in 70 or, or greater over these past few weeks, where he was usually in the 60s or 50s for most of the season. Um, in a must-win game, I, I think Johnny, just because of the touchdown equity you get with Ryan Tannehill, the the total for the game, um, you know, which is which is which is the highest on the slate. Um, we know tight ends are a crapshoot period. So I just think you go with the guy that's running routes for a team. You expect to score um, a lot of points. And, and he's two, he's only $200 more on DraftKings at 3,200 than, than Komet. So I, I really like him in that low price range. Um, but in, in terms of the high end guys, I think, I think Andrews and Thomas are both in a tier of themselves. I don't even think Andrews has that much separation. Cause you look at Andrews, the Titans are number 32 in DVOA uh, against tight end. So that's obviously a great matchup. We don't expect much pressure. We don't expect them to have to chip or do anything of that nature. Uh, he's just going to straight run routes. And then Logan Thomas, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Bucks cornerbacks still have, uh, are still pretty good. I think they focus on Terry McLaurin and, and Logan Thomas has been that guy. I mean, made, made a great touchdown catch last week. And you have a great matchup here too. Tampa Bay, number 25 in DVOA against tight ends. Uh, versus number one, why receivers are six, what number two is their 22, number three, uh, others they're one, and running backs they're six. So tight ends is clearly their weakest position to defend. So uh, love Thomas and, and Andrews, but uh, I go with John who on the one one. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Raybon, you you mentioned Logan Thomas here. I don't know, have either of you guys seen... Um... Brandon Thorne, uh, you know, kind of offensive line, defensive line, uh, analytical expert uh, when it just comes to to analyzing the play there. Uh, he tweeted out something about Logan Thomas where Logan Thomas chips a pass rusher who falls down and knocks over another pass rusher. And then that guy knocks out a third pass rusher. Like Logan Thomas's chip took out literally three defensive players. And then he went out and ran around and caught the ball and got a first down. 
like like play of the game uh you know very subtle but yeah logan thomas i i kind of want to back up for a second and get bigger picture because you know two years ago uh darren waller was someone who was getting some hype in the preseason as a guy who might come out of nowhere at the tight end position and he certainly did and Logan Thomas was kind of that guy this year, not to the same extent. And, uh, you know, so he wasn't hyped as much. And obviously he hasn't done this year what Darren Waller did last year. But if there is a, a Darren Waller to this season, I think it probably is Logan Thomas, just in terms of a, a guy who's kind of come out of nowhere, uh, especially kind of thinking of a guy who, you know, transitioned uh, into the tight end position. What do you guys think of Logan Thomas and what he's actually done? Like, is he a good player? Is is this projectable to the future? What do you think we see out of Logan Thomas uh, in fantasy for 2021, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, he's going to turn 30 next year. So in Dynasty Leagues, I, I wouldn't really give up the farm for him but you know I think he'll be pretty solid going forward one of the most consistent things with him is just his routes run you know he's usually running a routes run rate at like 95 to 100 percent every week which is just mad it gives him a massive massive uh floor um so that's that's been good to see but yeah I think Alex Smith as quarterback uh tends to help um like I mentioned earlier he he tends to target guys like McKissick and Logan Thomas at a higher rate as opposed to a guy like Terry McLaurin. So I think just all the factors lined up for Thomas this year. Um, next year, I, I think he'll probably be a low-end tight end one, but we'll kind of have to see how things um, sort out. But certainly for the next uh, couple seasons, he, he should be a tight end one caliber kind of guy. Rayvon, what do you think about Logan Thomas? Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think he's a good football player. I, you know, it's kind of crazy to think because he made a, a position switch. But um, as you mentioned, we've seen that with Waller and, and Thomas, I think, is, you know, he's he's kind of mastered the, the, the full spectrum of playing a tight end position. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I believe it was Troy Aikman. Um, it might have been somebody else, but um, was just kind of gushing about how good a player Logan Thomas had become. And it was like to the point it was weird because Thomas hadn't done anything in the game yet. Uh, but um, no, he's he's. I think the only thing holding him back really at this point is how good is Washington's defense going to be going forward? Because um, this is a guy that, you know, he's running around on a hundred, like almost a hundred percent of the snaps. And so it really just comes down to, okay, how many routes is Washington going to have available? Because um, this guy is going to play. He's going to make, he's making plays. He's making plays in the red zone. He's showing he can be a a high volume receiver and they're not, they don't have to take him out for blocking purposes. So um, I really do like him. Um, I hope that, you know, Washington doesn't get like this super elite Pittsburgh style defense to where um, they don't throw the ball for the next couple of years. But um, I, yeah, as a player, I think, yeah, I think well, uh, low end tight end one is probably his floor. And um, if Washington's defense goes bad, uh, he can definitely put up a top five season. Okay. Raymond, earlier you talked about commit uh, and being low on him. Sean, who is a tight end that you are low on this week? Uh, I'm low on Jared Cook this week, uh, especially at his price point, 4,600. Now, he's been the tight end five over the final five weeks of the season, but, you know, that's going to change with uh, Michael Thomas potentially coming back, Alvin Kamara as well. Um, so I think his his target share is going to go way down. He's going to become way more touchdown dependent. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, he makes sense in GPPs. If you want to just take a flyer based on upside, he certainly still possesses that upside, but the guy that we were just talking about, Logan Thomas is just a few hundred dollars more than Jared cook. So in any kind of cash game format, I would lean towards Logan Thomas, but just with, you know, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kerr coming back this week, uh, Jared cook is a full fade for me here. Okay, I am low on Austin Hooper. And by the way, Sean, I uh, agree with you on Jared Cook. Uh, I'm low on Austin Hooper. Uh, I have him ranked number seven uh, going against the Steelers, who are number one uh, in pass defense DVOA against tight ends. And uh, with all the other options on the team, I don't think there's really much of a need to pepper Hooper with targets. Uh, an outdoors game between divisional rivals might be a lower scoring game. So uh, off of Austin Hooper for wild card weekend. Sean, give us the tight end prop. Uh, let's go with Mark Andrews. I, I have him ranked really, really high, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts on his receiving yards. Um, you know, he's been a lot more consistent this season in general, but especially since Nick Boyle went out, um, he's 
uh, gone for over 65 yards in four of the five games since Boyle's injury. So he has a pretty high floor now. Um, I, I have his receiving yards set at 63 and a half yards. I'm on the over, disgustingly. So on Uh-oh. the over, like I'm, I have him at 77 and a half yards, oh. which feels way too high, but he has a 30, what is it? A 38% target share over the past four games. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the number one receiver on that team right now. And it's, it's really not even close. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the over there. Yeah, that's an over for me too. Uh, number one, you look at his routes run per dropback, uh, 20 out of 24 last week. And ever since Bowie went out, you know, it's been in the low 70s or high 80s. And that was just something we haven't seen from Mark Andrews pretty much his entire career. You know, he would usually top out in the mid 70s. So um, for him to be up there, that's why we're seeing this increased consistency. That's why we're seeing, um, you know, more yardage. So love him um, to, to have another big game. And then you throw in the fact that Tennessee – is dead last in DVOA uh, against the against the tight end yeah. position, and it's, and you look at their um, their receiving yards schedule adjusted per per game just to the normal tight end, they're giving up fifty you know fifty four you know schedule adjusted. So Mark Andrews is one of the top guys, so that you, that easily can can get a, you know another ten fifteen yards to to get over that line. Yeah. So I, I was wrong. Uh, I said 38% uh, target share. It's 33% target share over the past month for Mark Andrews, a team high 38% uh, share of the air yards. Uh, so not just being targeted, but being targeted further downfield, which uh, against uh, a defense Rayvon that you pointed out is, has been really bad uh, against tight ends this year. Uh, I see a, a ton of upside for, for Andrews. So uh, I'm, I'm taking the over there, Sean. Uh, given that Raybon and I are both on the over, are you adjusting the line at all or are you sticking with it? Yeah, I, I kind of set it up that I do like the over on that line. Um, I was just curious where you guys are because I, I think Andrew sticks out uh, at his price. So if you guys are even higher, maybe you guys are just way higher on Logan Thomas than I am. But I, I think where you guys have Andrew's projected makes sense. And just, you know, at his price point, he, he just seems like a free square for the slate. Well, I mean, so I think early you, you were t- we were talking about um like going towards Thomas over what was it Jared Cook at, at cat like I wouldn't even touch Thomas and Cash. I think he, it has to be Mark Andrews given that there's only uh, three hundred different. So like I yeah. I I think there is like like there's Logan Thomas is still in that tier, but I, it's almost like Andrews just has this higher he has a way higher um ceiling for this specific match. Yeah, maybe I, I should rephrase that. I, I'm not using Logan Thomas and cash. I should yeah. have just said that Jared yeah. Cook is basically the same price as Logan Thomas. That's yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That, that's egregious yeah. In, in itself. Yeah. But it, in fairness, Mark Andrews is almost the same price as Logan Thomas, which is just as egregious. So uh, just play Mark Andrews this week. Yeah, that's good advice. <laughs> that's good advice. All right. play, play Mark Andrews every week. That is oh, actually uh, until next week when Travis Kelsey returns and then, and then True. you play the King. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for the show. You can follow Sean, Chris and me in the action network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Rabon and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate interview the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.